Is there anything you would have done differently? We reported a true story. Our colleague Brian Williams is back in Kuwait City tonight after a close call on the skies over Iraq. Controversial Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh and questions about Kavanaugh's drinking in the past. Sean Hannity, come on up, Sean Hannity. Today, Andrew Cuomo is having a moment. Hi, I'm Chris Tyrewalt. And I'm Eliana Johnson. And this is Inkstained Wretches, El Rechos, where it is our privilege and duty to break down what's going right and what's going wrong in the American news business. Eliana Johnson, I gotta tell you, your pastry game getting really intense. You're taking us into a new level. The Tate Bakery that you bring in to contribute to my enormous fatness. Uh, <laughs> that's not why you bring it in. That is, just, that is just a contributing factor about why one day soon I will need a seat extender to, to ride in an airplane or they'll have to put me in, in the baggage. Every week I, I stop at a bakery to pick up my coffee on the way to record this podcast and I always bring in pastries. And um, so I've been trying all different ones every week and then we eat them like while we do podcast and i think i have finally settled on like the perfect pastry order it's a bunt it's a a nutty bunt cake right it's like a walnutty well, coffee cake yeah but it's in a bunt i like a bunt uh and you and you are right bunt that, it, that it could that it could, it could be, it, it needs frosting could use a little icing i don't know about frosting but definitely icing uh and then their greatest innovation is they have a it's called cin- a chocolate rose i think which also was a dance From name Tate. that I used for a period of time. <laughs> and it was, let me tell you, it worked. But but they ha- I can only describe them as, you know, a pull-apart cinnamon roll, America. You know, that it's good and it's got like the cinnamon stuff inside. Uh, it's that, but it's in muffin format. So it's like a cinnamon roll popover kind of experience with layers of stuff. And one is cinnamon and one is chocolate. And I like... The chocolate rose for any of you. I know there's a Tate in Boston. For any listeners in Boston, we highly recommend it. Media elites recommend fancy bakery items in Boston. News I at 11. I pretty much had everything on the menu at Tate. The salads, the sandwiches, the breakfast items, every pastry. My husband loves the scone. <laughs> A scone for people who who want to who who want who feel guilty about having delicious pastries. So get something that is like uh, dried sand. I swear, any any time we're at a bakery or getting dessert, my husband will get like the least sweet, least tasty, least decadent item, and then so the scone. He would always get the scone, and then his response will be he'll like eat a piece of pineapple and say, "Oh, this is really rich." And a, like eats an apple and says it's and, rich. And your husband is very fit, very trim. <laughs> yeah. He's like, it, like it pays off, right? It it pays off. It's so annoying. I'm like, you think everything is rich? Well, that's because he's punishing himself with scones. As a result of eating a dry, terrible scone, pineapple tastes better. It's like you know, kid, <laughs> kids, so t- true. kids, kids in you know, kids in West Virginia who grow up drinking Mountain Dew and eating Doritos, but you give them an apple, they're not going to be like, ooh, this is delicious. <laughs> they're going to be like, this isn't even flavor blasted, dummy. But- like, why are, you, why are you giving me this? You gotta, it's so true. you got to discipline your palate. Okay, all right, enough, uh, enough frivolity from me. Are you ready for the front page? Yes. Let's hit it. Front page. Most important story of the week. Chris, I think we got to start with 
our girlfriend Taylor Lorenz. I ha- I I I'm, I'm I want you to lay it out because I think the facts will matter in this case. But I want you to know. I just want to say I'm actually it. not pure anti Taylor on our on our story this week. So it, here is what happened. She wrote a story for the Washington Post about a Twitter account at Libs of TikTok that has amassed a significant following over the past couple of years, exposing woke classroom teachings, particularly about sex and gender. And so she gets sent a lot of uh, videos from classrooms, puts them on. They've been featured on Fox. Tucker, a, a, a Tucker Carlson, increasingly popular, I think. I have not seen any of the... But apparently... The creator of the site appears in shadow. Tucker Carlson exactly. grants so, a- anonymity to this person so they can come on and introduce clips. So the Twitter account amassed a real following yeah. at Libs of TikTok for these videos that the uh, proprietor was disseminating. Joe Rogan caught on to it. And apparently when he was mentioning it on his hugely popular podcast, it really took off. Laura Ingram featured a lot of videos from it and credited it on Fox News Tucker Carlson. So so it well now here I have appeared, a question. You were right. She appeared on Tucker Carlson's show like in kind of like if silhouette. you were a CIA, right. like in CIA hiding in silhouette. Exactly. And I and I've done interviews like that and sometimes you have to grant somebody anonymity, but in this case I don't understand why. And here's my question. And I have not done diligent research, I confess, because I hate this story. I know it's important to a lot of people, I just hate it so much. But is it fair to say that libs of TikTok used gross, nasty, like were they cruel? Did they call people groomers? Like how how about the Washington Post claim or Taylor Lorenz's claim that this is like alt-right, rotten, mean, bad stuff? I'm actually not, I, I wasn't super familiar with the yeah. libs of TikTok Twitter account. And we will link the Washington Post article. So to cut to the chase, what Taylor Lorenz did in the article was reveal the identity of the proprietor of this account. She's a woman in California. And I'm not actually familiar with the content of the account. I did click through the links in that Lorenz provided. provided, And I did not actually find that she had, in my view, characterized them accurately. And I will give you an example. Hit me. Loren says that under her, under a previous Twitter handle, that th- this woman minimized COVID, and there's a link. Okay. And the link takes you to a tweet where the woman says, and I'm just waiting for it to pull up, but I did not find, to me, that this tweet was minimizing COVID. Okay, here's what the woman says. She says, why I love COVID. Doesn't infect Santas. Doesn't spread if you are rioting, looting. Doesn't show up to BLM protests. Immunize Newsom with magic. I don't find that to be minimizing COVID. Yeah, it's just weird. And then she says... Uh, yeah, and then this one about uh, that she highlighted a uh, dubious story about child sex trafficking uh, links to her just retweeting a New York Post story. Right. So I found that throughout the article, Taylor Lorenz gives the absolute least generous characterization and at times I think dishonest, tendentious characterization of what of what this woman is doing. And 
And she, it's, and the, it was clearly a it, like a nasty hit piece. Now this woman may have tweeted some crazy things, but like she's also I think Taylor Lorenz is also here like grossly mischaracterizing some of the stuff that the, this woman. The stuff is seems doing. dumb. Like the America doesn't buy it. Hashtag rigged election. Hashtag MAGA from November 2020. So like stop the steely, but not like I don't know. It's uh, no, nothing. Nothing worse than you'd read in you know, a lot of right-wing outlets, like that. Not, nothing worse than you'd find at Federalist or wherever. This is, you know, that's pretty standard stuff. Yeah, so Lorenz is totally dishonest here, clearly had an ax to grind. At the same time, mm-hmm. I think it's, like, ridiculous that this woman was going on Tucker Carlson, like, saying she wanted to maintain her anonymity and going on Tucker Carlson, you know, in right. in shadow and in, in profile, yeah. and, like, complaining that Taylor Lorenz was knocking on the doors of her family members that seemed fine to me i i take issue with like the totally dishonest way that taylor runs wrote this article there's no by the way there's nobody in the article who like says a kind word about this woman or defends her like there's yep. absolutely no effort to say oh and others say that what she did is like good or helpful or has helped cast a light on these things it's all just you know oh she's harassing uh, like oh she's anti-gay she's anti this she's anti that she's a conspiracy theorist like there's no effort to give the other side of the story in the entire article no um, but i also thought that this woman's claiming she wants to like maintain her aunt doing what she wants to do what she's doing and maintain her anonymity it was uh, a little bit ridiculous yeah you too. don't you don't get to be like that's the thing if you want to do this stuff and be a, basically a news outlet, right? That's what this woman's account is. It's a kind of a news outlet. It's, it's an informational platform. If you want to do that, why would you also feel like you have the right to be, or not the right, I guess, uh, why would you want to be secret? I understand that she would say, oh, reprisals from the terrible left and for all of these reasons. But I granting a person anonymity because they will be their opinion is unpopular or that they will face retribution is not the idea of why we have journalistic anonymity right that's that isn't that isn't the the thinking there and i will also say the reaction i read from some about how this woman has is hara- how taylor lorenz harassed these people what do you want reporters to do right if if i this is a specious story and i'm going to talk more about that in a second once you have a news story, if the if your job is to identify the person and talk about if if the point of your story is who is this person, you have to go and the person doesn't want to be identified, you're going to have to do some shoe leather reporting to go do that. So I, I that that part of it I don't see. I did see though that the she so on the doxing question, you may know more about this than I do. So the post said so apparently and I'm I may be on shaky ground here. So correct me. The Post said that she did not dox, which is to reveal publicly the personal information uh, of somebody online, online uh, to take an online person into the meat space and give their home address or whatever. The Post said that she did not do this. Her critics said she did because apparently at some point she posted or included a link to a real estate license that included her home address and that this constitutes doxing. Do you know what happened there? I don't. So I, it's some people say the post is clearly lying. I, I don't know, but I, I, my takeaway from all of this, I just want to remind everybody. I want to oh, and we'll put it in the in the show notes. But I always want to remind people about what is Twitter and what 
what isn't Twitter. And there is, I would just always refer people back to the great Pew Research study from 2019, sizing up Twitter users. And here's the thing about these goofuses. It's a shockingly small number of people. Most of the tweets, 80% of all tweets come from 10% of users, right? So Twitter is a very, so what do we know about the people who use Twitter? They're much younger than the population as a whole. They're much more educated than the population as a whole. They tend to be more affluent than the population as a whole. So there's this bubble. There's a sort of elite bubble factor that takes place in Twitter. But the real thing that takes place in Twitter is people like Taylor Lorenz and libs of TikTok who live in this space and it's important to them, it's not happening for the rest of the country. And we have watched how this has perverted and destroyed, and I don't want to be overly dramatic, but it has certainly perverted the discourse in the country because so many elites live in this bubble and think that stories about who, the very fact that the Washington Post thinks that it is an interesting story to talk about who is behind libs of TikTok is, is evidence of how obsession with Twitter has rotted people's brains. The other thing I loved about this, and then we can move on because it's not even worthy of this much discussion, is Taylor Lorenz, when people were saying how terrible it was that she unmasked this woman, she's like, well, I'm just an intrepid reporter and this is what reporters do. We go knock on people's doors and this isn't harassment. Then, you know, if you want to be a big boy right. and do this big boy job, stop saying that you're harassed online yep. all the time and crying on national television and ta- and being a complete freaking baby and, you know, just do your job and act like an adult. And then, of course, on my way here, I saw that Taylor, this was her response to pushback on the story. She tweeted, the amount of insane stuff that's happened over the past 24 hours has been unbelievable. It's eye-opening to see how sophisticated and vicious these coordinated attacks have become. I'm grateful to work at a company that takes these issues seriously and is supportive. I'm doing great. So, you know, in answer to the question nobody asked, right. she's doing great. Doing fine. <laughs> uh, and, and by the way, and this, I think, dovetails up, that was a elbow at Dean Becquet, the soon to depart from the New York Times. They've What's the name of the new? Joe Kahn. Joe Kahn is who was most recently, I think, associate editor. Is that right? But anyway, Joe Kahn is going to take over uh, as the executive editor at the New York Times. A very big job. But Dean Becquet, on his way out, one of the things we talked about it, I think it was last week, that we talked about the new policy. Two weeks ago. Or two weeks ago to talk the about the, the Twitter memo. So this is Taylor Lorenz poking an elbow at Dean Becquet and the New York Times because they didn't protect or take seriously this stuff. I want to give a, a Chris Licht, and it's not, again, that I like to say Chris Licht, though I do, but Chris Licht, who is coming up on his start at CNN, he, he tweeted the following. May 2nd will be my first official day in the office at CNN and my last day on Twitter. Twitter can be a great journalistic tool. Eh, not really. Uh, but but it can also skew what's really important in the world. I'm logging off and looking forward to working with the incredible team at CNN. And I say unto him, good for you, Chris Licht. Keep it going. I say the same. Now, 
Chris Steierwald, mm. do you think the folks at CNN are going to be picking up what he is putting down? I think Because that. that is clearly a, sure, it's a personal announcement, but it is also a coded message. Not yeah. so coded message to his future minions over there. Yeah, and, and trying to lead by example. I think CNN, it, of all the news networks, I would say one of the most Twitter forward, like their people engage on Twitter a lot, a lot, a lot. Or at least they did. I don't. When, I don't think they're going to be picking up what he's putting down. I don't think they're going to smell what he's smoking. I think they're going to want to promote themselves. I think that's right. Oh, I say, Eliana, have you heard about the U.S. Spectator? I know of the British Spectator, <laughs> but tell me more. You've got me interested. Now you have to understand. I'm wearing a monocle as I say these words to demonstrate that I am a person of sophistication who also eats vinegar on his French fries. Are you a person who? eschews identity politics by any chance and has a hankering for intelligent conversation and thought? I think hankering is the word there that you, that, that you couldn't ever say in a British accent, no matter how good your British accent was. You could never <laughs> say, I was hankering for a helping of hamburger helper. Anyway, the U.S. edition of The Spectator, which is new here, uh, it's old in the world since 1828 and a sterling reputation, uh, is new to the U.S., and it isn't just politics. It also covers the best in books and travel, fine wine, and much, much more. Food. Don't forget food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Food, My food, and wine. Yeah, part. yeah, yeah. Exactly. Snacks. What, though, can we offer Ink Stained Wretches listeners? There is a special offer. Sign up today, and you'll get three free months of the print magazine and, and, and? full digital access and, and yeah. a free spectator hat. And Chris, yes. we now know what type of hat. Yes, the it is a baseball cap. The spectator did not tell us what kind of cap. Uh, but, but our, it, our but listeners, a listener provided us with a picture of it is a baseball a cap, navy blue baseball. Cap. My hope that it would be a tricorn hat or some fancy <laughs> British hat, like a big top hat or something, or a bowler <laughs> was defeated, and I'm disappointed. But fortunately, the magazine is great, and who's really going to wear a top hat? If you go to spectatorworld.com/slash/special/offer. That's spectatorworld.com slash special offer and use offer code INC, that's I-N-K, you will receive these emoluments in addition to all that wonderful journalism. Chris, I'm so happy to hear you say slash special <laughs> offer and not backslash. Yes. Thank you to our wonderful listeners who wrote in, I believe three of them, with corrections that it is slash, yes, not slash. backslash. Much, Thank mu you all. Much much like, much like Guns N' Roses, it's slash, not backslash. Uh, the Spectator is committed to the quality of its reasoning and its writing and not to a particular political party. Amen, amen. Free, free thought is important among journalists, and they boast contributors like the great Christopher Buckley, Julie Bindell, Christopher Caldwell, Lionel father Shriver. Of, father of Philip Caldwell, Washington Free Beacon you, editor. You are there. Douglas Shout Murray, out. your friend Toby Young, Roger Scrunton, and Rod Little. The Spectator. I love this. It's I love this tagline. Line, yes. yes. Less political party, more cocktail party. Clink, clink. Or as, as am I. As we would say, cheers, cheers, and, cheers. And this is this is the Chris part. Whether you lean left or right, <laughs> you are guaranteed to be entertained from cover to cover. So sign up today to get three months of The Spectator and your free Spectator hat when you subscribe 
at spectatorworld.com slash special offer. Use offer code INC, I-N-K, at checkout to redeem your offer. That's spectatorworld.com backslash, oh, 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 sorry. That's spectatorworld.com slash special offer and use offer code INC. Okay, well, what else do you know today? Chris, you kind of like glided right over this Joe Kahn thing. Let's talk, talk a little more bit yeah, more yeah. about that. And I want to link in the show notes to this amazing profile of Joe Kahn, uh, new executive editor of the New York Times by Sean McCreesh in New York Magazine. He writes a fantastic profile with, to me, a good profile has, um, somebody once described to me as ornamenting a, a tree. Yeah. Like lots of delicious details, Hack memorable detail. details. Yep. So I do not know enough to really know what the choice of con uh, means for the New York times, but I loved the McCreesh profile, which like really gives us a sense of him as a person. And so McCreesh contrasts Joe Con to Dean Baquet and says the following Baquet is an operator, a politician who likes being liked the rank and file consider him cool. He wears acne, which is like a super cool fashion forward brand. Is it smokes cigars in Washington square part. I don't know. That's gross. Knows um, art and books and wears good cufflinks. He interviewed Jay-Z. Khan, a fabulously wealthy Bostonian, is arguably a throwback to a more patrician leader of the paper. On the surface, he seems more akin to Bill Keller, the son of a Chevron CEO who ran the Times for eight years between Reigns and Abramson. Oh, then there is his family money. His father co-founded the office supply retailer Staples, which has always been gossiped about quietly at the Times. He's got a second home upstate. Dot, dot, dot. The apartment building he lives in on Lower Fifth Avenue is said to have once been inhabited by Marlon Brando. He and his wife, Shannon, who previously worked for the World Bank, send their two sons to a private school of town. So you kind of start to get a sense of the guy. And then I love uh, this little detail in the in the McCreesh profile. Khan is not flashy, but he does have a taste for the finer things. He's a familiar face at opening night of the Metropolitan Opera. He is an onophile with a particular fondness for Burgundy and is part of a wine consortium that includes the billionaire Joseph Bay. Wow. Um, who is that? I don't know, but he's a billionaire who's part of a oh, wine consortium. Uh, KKR. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Co-chief, C co-CEO of KKR. Okay. I know your company, Joseph. Khan was an investor in Monkey Bar, a clubby restaurant owned by airmail editor Graydon Carter. Yes, I'm I like Monkey Joe Bar, immensely, yes. Carter tells me. He's got a quiet wit and intelligence that you might miss on first meeting. Anyhow, amazing profile. He seems like a super interesting guy, and I I do love that his father was like founder of Staples. Now, John Harris writing at uh, Politico. Said, he has a take on what this means for journalism. So, so he has a take. He he. he points out how, what does he say? Joe Kahn, who was just named the- Bland Ambition is the headline. Is the headline, Bland Ambition. Joe Kahn has the kind of background and temperament that was once a classic type for news organizations choosing new newsroom leaders. A half century ago, arched, arched eyebrow, times 10,000. Uh, quote, Khan is a white male born into a wealthy family. He graduated with an Ivy League diploma. He proved his skill as a reporter in a young age and then spent decades organizing his career around the ethos and values of an elite news institution. Now, Harris does go on to make, after he puts his eyebrows down, he does go on to make an interesting point here, which is, and this is reflected in Chris Licht at CNN, 
he says it's also and Sally Busby at the we'll at the see post. we'll see we'll see about the Washington we'll see about I mean the we'll Washington. see about Khan at the time so no too. I know but in terms of what kind it is true that Sally Busby you could say coming from the AP as she did took a different approach is bringing a different approach to the post but I would also say that Harris's criticism talking about where how she didn't handle the the Felicia Sanmez issue or, or how her predecessor didn't handle the Felicia Sanmez issue I, it seemed like a non sequitur to me. But anyway, the point here about, I think you have to take some of the race and stuff out of it. This is a move, I think, I think Harris is right, that this is reflective of a move in general in the media at these large institutions to put steady people at the helm, right? His point is that Institutions like CNN and the Washington Post and the New York Times are choosing low profile, you know, Competent. not not larger than life yeah. like figures to to run them. Now, the question is, like, to me, it's will they be able to stand up to the crazy lunatic like people who staff these institutions and push back on them or like what are these people's views are they just as crazy as like as the people below them um we that we don't really know uh to me like sally busby doesn't really seem to be like putting the washington post back on course but you know we'll see it does not and you know i i think it's something when you get down to it I, i think fox very much needs this and there are other organizations that need this you have to have good journalists and responsible adults in these jobs that aren't afraid to do the right good stuff, right? But the problem that Becquet had, and and this is in the in the good profile that you pointed and you read to us from, he wanted everybody to like him, right? Being, I can tell you, having been an editor and having been edited for many, many years, editors are not usually well-liked figures, right? Because they are the dream killers. They are the one. Now you can have uh, editors that you know people like and that the good. And I've had great editors. I've been very lucky to have great editors in my life. A couple that really changed my life and were awesome. But by and large, reporters' experience with editors is what? No, you cannot. <laughs> That's what most of the time or the conversation. Go back and do more work. Yeah. No, this is not good enough. No, you cannot do the story you want to do. No, you may not travel to the place that you want to travel to. No, you cannot have that money. That is what editors are there to do, and it's not fun, and it takes a certain kind of person to be in a job where you get, and you experience this at the Free Beacon, right, because you have young reporters who are there that want to do stuff, and you have to be a dream killer, and it's not always fun, but you need the dream killers to keep things going the right direction and to also keep the journalism to keep the news the top thing in the news, you need newsmen and newswomen to do those to do that work. What do we have next? Oh, just a little a, bit of an abrupt transition there. Sorry, cor- sorry to our listeners. We have a cornucopia, I'm sure. Oh, okay. Uh, yes, the Free Beacon this week had another uh, run-in with the fact checkers. Uh oh. So I think it was last Thursday. Might have been right after this podcast, but last week our our wonderful social media chief clipped a video that instantly went viral of Joe Biden turning from the podium and appearing to shake hands with thin air and, you know, being apparently apparently disoriented. The thing totally took off and had hundreds of thousands of views. It culminated in Snoop Dogg sharing the video. Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg shared it. Snoop Dogg so, shared of course, your clip. Like, once this thing starts getting traction, the fact checkers, you know, they can't tolerate it. They must 
Fact check with it. Snoop Dogg saying that when he gets super lifted, that's how he feels when he turns around and tries to shake hands with the air. It's it's so amazing. So the fact checks actually like weren't attributing this to the beacon because so many people were were sharing it, but so amazing. Snopes facts fact checks this and says Snopes. Maybe there are additional angles or longer clips that can add some more context. I mean, can you imagine the same sentence coming from one of these fact checkers about a Republican politician that says, we need to examine this from different angles and take the most charitable interpretation of what happened here. Even better, PolitiFact, like four days later, um, comes out and they basically say, well, if you look at it from different angles, he might have been gesturing to the crowd. So PolitiFact comes down and says, the clips of Biden gesturing to those seated in the audience are being misconstrued to appear as if he was trying to shake hands with air. They have no evidence of that. Right. We rate this claim false. It was so funny. And uh, Remember when- I mean, can you imagine like a more pathetic existence than being this kind of like internet hall monitor remember when george bush you were 10 but when george bush got disoriented and went to a, a locked door he was he was having oh yeah a, yeah a, 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 i remember that i believe and i may have this wrong uh back into his office right my, my apologies to dana perino and any other bush people if i if i have the if i have the fact pattern wrong here but bush had finished i believe a overseas press conference in Asia, it clearly in Asia, and I could it have been China? I don't remember. I'm sorry. My my bush my bush history is is dusty, but he turned abruptly to leave, and he went to the wrong side of the stage. Beijing, you're right. And pull and pulled on the big heavy chi- red Chinese doors to try to open it up, and then he and then he had to walk back across the stage. Here, like oh boy, sorry. So here's the thing about that. You know what it is. It's funny. It's funny. It's funny when important, famous people screw up or are goofy. And Biden looked goofy. And Democrats aren't going to want to talk about Biden looking goofy. Republicans are. And then after that, 10 seconds after that, who cares? It is. It it's is a jo- so like ridiculous. It's not a joke joke, but it's like, yeah, why are you like, as you say, how sad to be an Internet hall monitor? Chris. You're very excited about this next item. Oh, is this the <laughs> Okay, first, let's hear let's hear a clip of Tucker Carlson talking about testicles. You saw in the clip there, um, if you want to optimize and take it uh, to another level, expose yourself to red light therapy. Yes. Um, and the juve um, that we were using in the documentary, there's a massive amount Which of that. Which is ep- testicle tanning. It's testicle tanning, but it's also full body uh, red light therapy, uh-huh. which has massive amount of benefits. And there's so much data out there um, that isn't being picked up on or covered. So obviously half the viewers right now are like, what? That's co- testicle tanning? That's crazy. But my view is, okay, testosterone levels like crash and nobody says anything about it. That's crazy. So why is it crazy to seek solutions? It's not crazy to seek solutions. And I think... Um, I was recently exposed to a term called bromeopathy, and I think there's a lot of people out there right now that um, are don't trust the mainstream information, and they're taking. Perfect. So tanning your testicles raises testosterone. I don't know, but I. But you have a friend. 
I, right, you got yeah, a exactly. Friend my you friend, might know. yeah, my friend just he actually just puts him in the toaster oven when he gets home. He just sets it, turns it on just a couple minutes, warm him up, hit him with the red light. Obviously, Tucker Carl's the the best part of this, and and we we don't need to play it here, but the best part of it is that Kid Rock was the next guest, and when they cut to Kid, <laughs> they cut to Kid Rock, who is still a a rock star. The look on his face of like what on earth are you people doing? And then Tucker's like, yeah, I know, it's funny. But, like, for real, isn't it good that we should explore these questions about baking your scrotum in order to make you feel more manly? And Kid Rock is like his inner... His inner rock star comes where he's like, nah, bro, like, <laughs> I'm not I'm not going there with you. But give us the context. This was on Fox News, the streaming. This this was on Fox, the Tucker's Fox Nation show. And was the whole show about I don't, this? I don't know. I mean, the the obsession... The almost, there's almost a, what was the name of the provocateur figure? He was British, right winger, gay guy. Do you remember who I'm talking about? No. Somebody, we know this. He was at CPAC and it caused a big riot when he was there. And and then he would go speak on campuses and there would be explosions of outrage. Yes, Milo. Milo Yiannopoulos. And Milo Yiannopoulos, the, the, the Tucker Carlson space feels a lot, it's starting to feel a lot more like that. And the other thing it's starting to feel a lot more with this like creepy obsession about masculinity and like, oh, it's just, it's, it's, it's weird. But then the part that's really weird to me is, or not really weird, really sad, it's like heading in the Mike Huckabee direction, right? Miracle masculinity cure. Zap your groin with the- Zap Gorka direction. Yeah, exactly. It, Dr. Sebastian Gorka, right? Zap your crotch with magic (laughs) red light and you will feel like a man again. And it just, it's, it is, I mean, this is the way all that stuff runs because that's, that's how it goes, but it's pretty sad. I might have to get Fox Nation for this. (laughs) For, for the, for the news about how, which, which organs to zap with magic lights. (laughs) Speaking of people who speaking of people who are weird uh, and creepy on TV, Piers Morgan in the which I guess is the launch of for the Murdochs have a new platform which is called Talk TV, which is part of News Corp, and which is uh, debuting next week. And the first interview is Piers Morgan, the terrible, terrible Piers Morgan, interviewing. Okay, Piers, I'm ready. A former president in denial. I'll be completely straight with you to your face. I think I'm a very honest man. Much more honest than you, actually. Really? Yeah. It was a free and fair election. You lost. Only a fool would think You think I'm a fool? I do now, yeah. With respect. Excuse me. Okay, with respect. The legacy. The hard evidence. Excuse me. The most explosive interview of the year. I don't think you're real. I really don't. I'm not like Very dishonest. Let's finish up the interview. Morgan versus Trump. Turn the camera off. Very dishonest. So you can clearly hear there that the the idea and the video editing leaves it with like this was a, a Trump stormed off after this confrontation and all that stuff and they even put the dumb dramatic music behind it. Well, wouldn't you know it? But the Trump campaign kept its own audio recording of the interview, which is, by the way, good policy to do when you're doing one of an interview that you know is going to be edited. You good to make your own recording of it so that they can't chop it up into pieces and and do this. 
And here is NBC News enjoying attacking their uh, rivals and Trump. Actually, NBC is so happy to attack Piers Morgan that they were are even willing to bolster claims by Donald Trump. And here's what they say. Turn the camera off, Trump says at the very close of the video clip, as he appears to rise from his chair, very dishonest. But the audio of the end of the interview appears to tell a different story. The two men laughed and thanked each other, the recording shows. There are no signs of Trump storming off set. Quote, that was a great interview, Morgan says in the audio at the end. And Trump agrees with a yeah. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it, Morgan says. That's when Trump says, turn the camera off. By then, the former president had already risen from his chair, according to his communications director, Tyler Budowich, who supplied the audio to NBC News. So Piers Morgan is terrible. Piers Morgan is always terrible. And Piers Morgan always finds new ways to be terrible. And here is yet another. Chris, <laughs> I feel like we need, we have like major breaking news. Breaking news? Should we skip over this Rudy thing to our breaking news? What is the that breaking is, news? That is my obsession. Oh, your obsession. Oh, Or do you want to do Rudy quick and then we can get to the major breaking only news? Only just to say, whoever... It was that thought to put Rudy Giuliani on the mask singer to sing bad to the bone is so impossibly stupid. I, I no, I don't know that. They're what, stupid. what even I don't even know about this. So the mask singer is a show on Fox where I've not, I have not watched it, but celebrities come out in costumes that obscure them. They sing a song and then the hosts, including such uh, luminaries like Jenny McCarthy, will tell will try to guess who the singing doofus is and okay. in this in this case he takes off his face and it's it's Rudy Giuliani <laughs> looking looking like uh, uh, grandpa Munster up there on stage and the guy from the hangover Ken Young walked off in protest of Giuliani oh my goodness former associate attorney general oh former mayor New York City. Is that Robert Duvall? No, that's not Robert Duvall. Rudy Giuliani! Before I met you... I'm done. Rudy Giuliani is a monstrous, awful figure. He is a... This is not like, oh, we had on some Republican, right? Or some Republican politician. If you don't know enough to know that Rudy Giuliani is not to be in polite society... He's not even to be in impolite society anymore, uh, then, like, get a clue. It is that time. Yeah. For our obsessions. And Chris usually goes first, but I am going to budge in line this week because my obsession happens to be the subject of uh, uh, breaking news, which is my obsession was a bunch of CNN Plus news that I had done a bit of reporting on and actually had new info to share with our listeners. But as we speak, uh, we have... Sarah Fisher of Axios tweeting, hashtag breaking, confirmed via two sources, at CNN Plus is being shut down. Oh, dear. Ceasing all operations on April 30th. Oh, no. So it was, what, uh, a good month that they had? Oh, I feel bad for the people over there. I hope, what are they going to do with Chris Wallace? Oh, gosh. You can always come do an interview with us, okay? That is true. So literally, they were up from March 2022 to April 2022. It was a good run. It was a good uh, run. This is a debacle. If that if that if that is true, 
Uh, well, Axios is reporting this. I will. <laughs> we're seeing all these tweets. R.I.P. CNN Plus. <laughs> uh, so uh, what I had wanted to talk about in my obsession was that I had started reaching out to three or four people at CNN or formerly at CNN and just asking what they were hearing. And interestingly, these people had basically said that CNN Plus was meeting its benchmarks in terms of subscribers because it had like they the previous management had a pretty long runway for it to start to become profitable but the new management just hates this thing doesn't freaking want it and there was a whole lot of hubris of of on the part of the old management that they could just force this thing through and like the new management under the warner media discovery merger would just be forced to keep it which is clearly uh not happening now we know that for sure and like the couple of tidbits that i picked up were as follows um cnn plus i guess as of two weeks ago was integrated into like the entire network has these morning calls jeff zucker ran them when he was running the network at 8 a.m or 9 a.m and they talk about programming for the whole network as well as the website and cnn plus was integrated into them a couple of weeks ago and then as of this week like they were kicked out so that certainly goes to support yeah that goes to support the axios reporting Uh, it does and then apparently well they were getting prepared for the launch of cnn plus over the past year there were some inducements to cnners Mm. to move over to cnn plus and a source told me that when the source interviewed, she asked the person who was charged with building up CNN Plus, the executive David Gellis, well, what is CNN Plus going to be? And his response was, it really can't be compared to anything. And my source's impression was they just did not have a great idea of what this thing was going to be. And suffice it to say, uh, my source did not make the leap after an interview that was less than compelling with the brain behind the operation over there. They got to get hip like Fox and their streaming service and talk oh, about yeah. ro- roasting your nards. So that's, uh, <laughs> that, 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 that is the secret apparently to streaming TV. I, I think so when CNN and you will know this better than me, CNN used to be part. Oh, New York times reporting it now. So, okay, we'll get, we'll give it a, we'll give it the blue check, but CNN is now part ceasing operations April thirtieth. CNN is now part of dis- the the Discovery Channel. Is that right? It's Warner Brothers Discovery. So it's owned Warner by Media Discovery. Yeah. So, it's, so so now it's under Warner, and it had previously been owned by Time Warner. So Time Warner is under Warner Brothers now. Right. And CNN's back over there. Is that right? It, Warner and Discovery merged. Okay. So, Disco- yeah, Discovery. Okay. So, the hubris here is somebody had this very expensive, and I don't know whether CNN Plus would so have been CNN a good CNN is under Discovery Communications. Yeah. And David Zaslav, the head of Discovery, is like the boss's boss's boss And over good. There. And and Discovery has, has had a tremendous success, right? They have been very successful. And they have their own streaming service, right? And they want to compete with uh, Disney and Apple, right? They want to compete with those with those places. And CNN, somebody at CNN had this idea, and it was a very expensive one with a very long aperture and all that stuff. The choice to commit the troops, right, and spend the money and get started on this was obviously, to me, predicated on the belief that once, on the, on the sunk cost fallacy, 
that once enough money had been spent on this and enough time had been spent, that the new ownership would be obliged to do it. And as as, as bad as I feel for the people who this is going to hurt or disrupt, I really do, it is probably better to have a clean, to take the Band-Aid right off rather than totally have, have more months go by of trying to figure out like, well, it's CNN. It's not CNN plus, it's CNN minus. Totally agree. <laughs> there's our there's our show there's there there's there's our title. What is your obsession? Oh, I forget. I'm I'm so obsessed with it. I totally forget. Oh, yeah, the mask mandate. So first, let's take a listen. So, Gio, remind us how does the air filtration work on board? So, Robin, the science actually shows that 99.9% of the particles are filtered out. That includes viruses. And what happens is that it's refreshed every three minutes. Half of it is filtered air. Half of it is new air coming in from the outside. And that's why JetBlue and the other airlines actually say that the air here on board in an airplane while it's in flight is actually as clean as a hospital room's air. Hmm. All right. Wow. Very good. I ABC like it, News. too. We have... How... Scarce has the reporting been on, like, tamping down the hyperventilation and fears about COVID versus the opposite? Well, I, I noted the other day a headline in the New York Times that said, COVID cases are up, but hospitalizations are not. And the slow, and we've talked about this before, for a long time when hyping COVID was the name of the game, you did not... What we care about are deaths and hospitalizations, people who are very sick. That's the focus, right? And the news has been good on this front. But for a long time, there was a, and we talked about how at the gridiron dinner, where Samantha was a super spreader. Not really, just kidding. The At the gridiron dinner, that afterwards it was like, we want to report on all the COVID cases, but we also understand that if we talk about these as cases, we're going to upset our sources and we're going to be calling each other out so we're going to be we're, we're going to we're going to focus on the fact that it's it's hospitalizations not cases i think the the mask mandate story first just look i i know this isn't a political podcast and this is the judge ruling the cdc mandate on for wearing masks on like federal transit authorities, right? Oh, um, yes, yes. So the uh, airplanes, Amtrak, et cetera, et cetera. This is your your homie, Sam Stein. Politico White House editor. And this guy is a real something. He's he he is a special Not taking too many efforts to conceal his partisan leanings. This guy's a real slice of something. And Sam Stein tweets the following first of all, hashtag never tweet. Sam Stein tweets the judge who made this ruling. Catherine Kimball is 35 years old, was confirmed at the age of 33 during the lame duck. Judiciary matters. Uh, my favorite was... Why is... I'm sorry. Is it a bad decision? Do we think it's a bad... If it's a bad decision, you should say it's a bad decision, but not because she's 35, which, by the way, is the minimum age for a United States senator. It is either a good decision or a bad decision. To, to sneer at the judge in this way, this guy is just... He's... Get off Twitter, Sam Stein. You just brought it. I, your brain. I also loved, I, I clicked into the replies because it was such a ridiculous tweet that I wanted to see what uh, people were saying. And there was lavish praise, people re-upping Sam Stein's lavish praise for Pete Buttigieg. <laughs> well, that's and different. for AOC. He's right. Uh, uh, they're exactly, right. Exactly. I got to find some of the best ones. But people, so here, here's the thing. 
this is hard because people have different opinions about whether people should be wearing masks on airplanes. I took an airplane trip yesterday, and my experience, a, a quick back and forth to beautiful South Carolina, and, and I love Charleston. I love you, Charleston. The second best Charleston. I experienced the f- second day of the end of the mask mandate on airplanes. And you know how it felt? And you know how it seemed? Great. <laughs> it seemed great. And you know who seemed to like it the most and the people who wanted to talk about it the most were the flight attendants, were the people who were working at shops in the res- in restaurants in the airports, the people who were having to do the work and have had to, for two years, have to do it masked. They're glad not to be masked. Wait, can we go back to, I found it. What Sam did you find? Stein's, um, oh, yeah, yeah. March 9th, 2017 article headlined, Pete Buttigieg is the future of the Democratic Party, but what kind of future? One of the party's rising stars is stuck in one of the country's more conservative states. Dun, wah, dun, wah, wah. dun, Indiana. So anyway, the people who want to wear masks, of course, can wear masks. And do you know what I didn't see? I didn't see... Now, again, this is D.C. to Charleston, South Carolina. Might have been different if I was going D.C. to Boston. But, like, less than 5%, less than, like, if I had to guess, I would say, you know, 2 or 3% of everybody flying was wearing a mask. Almost no one. And if people, and I know there's public opinion research that says that that the mask mandate still has support. It wasn't evident. (laughs) It wasn't evident in people wearing masks. And I just think the scaremongering and like all of this stuff, and I know this is not a political podcast, but this is a political point, which is Joe Biden's unwillingness to take the win on dropping the mask mandate is a reflection of how obtuse this administration is. The mask mandate's going away no matter what, eventually, right? The Constitution will not allow the federal government to keep everybody's face swaddled every time they ride in a taxi cab forever. So eventually it will be struck down. So if it's going to be struck down, why not at least get credit with the people who are happy and relieved to not have to wear a mask anymore? So amazing that they, it looks like they're going to appeal this thing. Well, they're going to really fight this one, just like they're really going to fight on the Department of Labor vaccination mandate. This is a, a poor leadership Poor leadership, because what you're doing is saying, well, I really want to do this thing. But you see those mean old Republicans on the courts, they won't let us do it. And it's like, no, if you want to do this thing, why don't you uh, introduce some legislation in Congress that says that Americans have to mask themselves to travel at the president's will forever? But no, they don't they don't they don't want to do that. They don't want to try that. What they want to do is get the result. But not they're afraid they're afraid of Democratic voters and what their response will be on this. So they just they they defer to the courts and it's ridiculous. But you're right. Like they won't get the credit for being like no. mass mandates over. It's great. It would be fantastic for yeah. Joe Biden and Democrats with the voters who they most need right now to say, "Hey guys, we are very we pleased to this. say we are very pleased to say that after two years of of mandatory masks for travel, it's over and do do what you want." People would be pleased to hear, but it's sort of like they couldn't even talk about the bipartisan infrastructure bill because they were so afraid of their own base that they knew if they talked about it, people would say, yeah, but we still haven't gotten 
Build Back Better, and we're still not, you know, running America's uh, power grid on unicorn toots. And, if, and until we have those things, don't don't you dare talk about this bipartisan gas guzzling infrastructure bill. Chris, it's time for my uh, new favorite segment, which is reader mail. Oh yeah, and we you have some awesome emails. Kyle, who wrote to ask about his dress this sneakers, the shoe got, yeah, shoe yes. Guy. Kyle, we love you. Kyle writes to say that he greatly enjoyed hearing his note on the show and the responses from us. He says, every word Chris said is absolutely true. I'm 27, (laughs) going on about 53. And to Eliana, I am married and my wife loves the bulldog socks. In all honesty, this was the highlight of my weekend and I laughed exceptionally hard from beginning to end. But that wasn't the end of the commentary on Kyle's shoes. Okay. So Robin writes, Chris... I loved your observation on listener Kyle's shoes. My husband, who is in his early 60s, has fun socks that I have purchased for him. He has a pair of Mugshot Johnny Cash, as well as a Mifty pair that reads, Sure, I'm listening, with my butt. (laughs) (laughs) That's the the Floorshine reference, exclamation point. I can see my dad right now trying on leather shoes for church, LOL. Yes, uh, Kyle... As the, as the man bold enough to wear sneakers designed by Johnson and Murphy or Florsheim or whatever, it is good that you have a woman. And I, I am, I'm glad, I hope you, I, and I bet you have a good woman too, because she can love you in spite of those shoes. And then three, count them three, listeners, Doug, Robert, and Daniel all wrote us to say that it is a slash, not a freaking backslash in, in our, our ad read. Spectator ad, um, yes. Yes. Doug says the word you want is slash rather than backslash. And he says, also, I took a screenshot of the special offer page, which shows the hat is American bro rather than a bolo or a pork pie, much as those other two options would be appealing. I now that's Douglas. I think the spectator ought to consider like a a Lord Nelson hat, like one of those British admiralty hats from the 18th and 19th century. I would I, I will I will wear it with it. I believe that is a cockade hat, and I think they should do a Lord Nelson style cockade hat, and I will wear it. And then Bob says the slash most frequently used in URLs is a forward slash. The backslash is a control character. Please stop giving us nerds the creeps when you use backslash in URLs. P.S. Chris, I survived for five and a half months in Morgantown in two thousand three. Survived? How about thrived? How about loved your life? How about had the opportunity to go to uh, Mario's Fishbowl. How about living the good life in North Central West Virginia, my friend? It is now time for Chris's favorite portion of the podcast. Quite where so. Chris forces me to say something nice, which will not be difficult this week. No, we've got very nice Where ones. Chris leads by example. This one's very simple and very straightforward and very lovely. So CNN, CNN's last remaining original employee, I'm quoting CNN here, CNN's last remaining original employee and UN correspondent, Richard Roth, was in desperate need of a kidney transplant when a colleague of his made it all happen. Roth and his donor, Samira Jafari, deputy managing editor at CNN Investigates, gave him a kidney. She gave him a kidney and... That th- talk about collegiality. That is the ultimate in collegiality. And I want you to know, my kidney's probably not super, but if you, <laughs> if it ever gets down to it and you need one, I would, I, I, I would, I would think about it. I would, I would, I would, I would be ready to give you a kidney. I think. 
I'm touched. I hope that we would you give me a kidney that situation. I don't, I think we might have a size format. I assume your kidney is much smaller than my kidney. I don't know whether it works that way. I don't I know how like I have to save my kidney in case my child ever needs it. You need to save it for your sons. They can do better. They can do better. They, your kid, yeah, they can probably I, find I can't it better. Do better. Well, I'm just saying if it came to it, if it came, to if it. It came down to it, I, I, I might do it. But you say no, you would not give me a kidney. I got to save it for my kid. Tough crowd. I mean, this guy. That, uh, Samantha would definitely give you her kidney. No, she definitely would not. That is a 100% would never happen. She'd be like, I'll visit you in dialysis. <laughs> We'd bring you Tate pastries yeah, exactly. in dialysis. It'd be like, he can't eat that. He's, a, yeah. he's having renal failure. He can't have muffins. <laughs> My favorite item was the fantastic Wall Street Journal interview with the FedEx founder and CEO, Fred Smith. And he was just such a colorful interview and so not PC. We will link the article. And so basically Fred Smith is talking about he has super interesting comments about how like FedEx and UPS were totally kept the world moving during the pandemic. But then he he talks about how what a diverse board the company has. And this is from the article. One of the minority board members, Mr. Smith notes, is Raj Subramanian, FedEx's president and CEO-elect. He's an Indian, Mr. Smith says, while observing in jest that, quote, Indian Americans control the whole economy. You got Satya Nadella, Microsoft CEO. You got the head of Adobe, the head of IBM. I could keep going. It's the damnedest thing I ever saw. <laughs> when I press him to explain, he resorts to an answer that skirts the boundaries of our race-fraught times. Quote, it's pretty self-evident. You have certain cultures where you have family focused on high achievement and academic success, particularly with two parents. I liked his willingness to be controversial, stir it up, and amazing story. The journal did a good. Super interesting. Yep. The journal did a great job with the piece. And Fred Smith continues to reveal himself as one of the best, smartest, brightest, freshest. Like, I, I don't know how old Fred Smith is. I guess 77. 77. says in the article, yep. So Fred Smith is still as fresh as a daisy. And... It's it says a lot more about our times. Seventy five, excuse me. Yeah, don't give him literally the first line of the article. It says a lot more about our times than it does about Fred Smith. No, no, no. he's seventy seven. In March twenty (laughs) twenty, he was sorry, sorry, he was seventy five in twenty twenty. I was right to begin with. The real the real time real time ombuds person for Inkstain Wretches. It says a lot more about uh, our times than it does about Fred Smith. That pointing out that the reason that. Indian Americans have succeeded is because of good values and how families that are focused on high achievement and academic success, particularly with two parents, that should not be a fraught statement. That is a true statement. And pretending like culture doesn't matter and community doesn't matter, Jewish Americans can tell the same story for the past 120 years in America, which is good values, work hard, stick together, prioritize education. Immigrant groups can have great success, and there are other immigrant groups can tell the story. That should not be fraught. It should be, it, this is, and I understand people will say, oh, I don't know if anybody listening to this would say it, oh, model, you're, that's the model minority fallacy, blah, blah. Yes, it's true. Uh, is unfair to Indians who don't want to Indian Americans who don't want to work hard and do well in school and just want to, you know, sit and vape on the sofa while they play Call of Duty or whatever. I, I, I don't mean to pressure you, but it is true that as a culture, Indian Americans have really killed it because they have good values. 
And that was not the news about the news, but that is all the time we have left for the news about the news. If you have a story you want us to talk about, email us at wretches at nebulouspodcast.com. That's wretches at nebulouspodcast.com. That's podcasts with an S. Visit us on Apple, iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a five, six, seven, or eight-star review. You're saying maybe even ten. Yeah. This has been Inkstained Wretches from Nebulous Media. Find us on iTunes. Just search for Wretches. Wretches.